Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team and Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I have a special guest, Hall of Fame offensive lineman Will Shields. Will, thanks so much for joining us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Will, it is fantastic to see you. Um, God, I think back to watching you grow as a rookie, jumping in there, starting within a couple of games and never missing another game for your career. I mean, you were amazing, Will. I mean, you were an absolute role model to so many Lyme in the way you played and um, to so many Chiefs fans. I'm telling you, it's, it's an honor to be, to be back on the air and side-by-side side with you again because, man, there was nothing like, like lining up next to Will. He, man, he gave you the confidence you needed to, that the job was going to get done. So thank you for joining us, Will, and, and sharing your experiences and thoughts with our listeners. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I, I know one thing. We used to do those workouts at the beginning of the year. Everybody was trying to catch up to your numbers. And we never could get there. I was like, everybody was like, we used to call this the Joe Valerio Olympics because, hell, he won everything out of the sun, the 40-yard dash, everything. I was like, okay, we got to work on our skills a little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Will, you're too kind. Well, that was, that was, that was what I had to, to hold on to, right? Keep me around the league as long as I could. Just do whatever I could, play whatever position. I could play and uh, you know you 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 fit that offense that we that we came into you know some of our listeners are might might be older some of them might be younger but you know we we talk a lot about that era in the 90s on our podcast because it was you know obviously it was a great time for the Chiefs it was playoffs every year a lot of wins a big turnaround that happened with the team in the early 90s and through the 90s and um, you know you came into a time where man if there was ever a lineman that I watched fit the mold of that West Coast offense that we transitioned to? Not that you you would have been just as fine in Marty Ball, Smash Mouth, Christian Okoye, you know, 30 carries a game. You would have fit in just as well there. But you were so – just you fit so well into that West Coast thing and, and your athletic ability and get out, getting out in space and your pass protection. And, uh, yeah, that, w- that was a lot of fun. So our listeners – you know, they have to remember that was a big transition for, for that team. And you, you kind of carried, you carried it right through. Well, sometimes yeah. you get lucky. I mean, I <laughs> ended up going in the right place at the right time um, because being from the Bra- plan and plan at Nebraska, we did a lot of that running, you know, mm-hmm. run here, move counter, that kind of stuff. So uh, fortunately I got drafted by a team to be able to utilize some of those skills that I had learned in high school and in college. So um, you know, as they say, it was definitely lucky and fortunate that I did go to a team that had those kind of things put in place. From Tom Osborne to Marty Ball. Now, Joe, the, the only downside here, we were talking off air, uh, Will and I, and he said now that you're co-host of this podcast, he said that uh, you're going to get fined. Those, those rules oh. are still in effect. Listen, you oh, know, yeah. I, I owned that fine board for, you know, two and a half years. <laughs> you know, I, I, sometimes I was hoping that Joe wouldn't throw me any more balls so that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be the one responsible for hosting the end of the year party because it was mostly my fines that were going into that, you know, because, you know, you got your name in the paper, you score, like it was, you know, you're just turning the bucks over. And we had some great parties with, with Alex Gibbs and Art Shell and we had Will. I mean, just, you know, we, we, we had that fine board 
you know, we had some karaoke parties and Will can sing. You know, a lot of people, I hope it's on YouTube somewhere, but if, if, if it's not, <laughs> we got to find a way to post it. But Will and a group of our teammates sang the national anthem for a game. And it was, it just would raise the, the hair on the back of everybody's neck to see our teammates out there singing the national anthem so well. And that was really cool, Will, that you guys did that. And so, yeah, we had our karaoke parties where we would warm up for that. Oh, yeah. You know, you had to warm up the lungs to get there. So you had enough confidence to go and get it recorded so that it, you made sure you sounded at least semi-decent when you did it. Um, but, yeah, I did love that uh, when they called that Joe V cutoff on the backside there because I was like, oh, yeah, he's getting another touchdown. More money, more parties. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, it was great times, man. Well, it was so much fun. Well, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. They have all sorts of cool pop, prop bets, even uh, things like Pat Mahomes and his odds to win yet another MVP. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we're here with uh, Hall of Famer Will Shields. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit later about his Will to Succeed Foundation. Uh, but first, Will, give us your uh, – I, I know you're still regularly watching the Chiefs. They've had a lot of reshuffling on the offensive line with injuries and opt-outs. Give us your kind of breakdown of how the offensive line is looking. You know, I think they're trying to hold in there the best they can. I think it just depends on who they face at what times. Um, you know, there's a couple of games there that you go, okay, we need a little help on the edge here. We need a little help in the middle. Um, but I think what's really good is that they have so many weapons to be able to get the ball out of his hands faster. But also when they come back to the running game, I think it's sort of hard on those offensive linemen at times because there is so many run pass options that are given. So as an offensive lineman, it makes it tough because you're trying to blow somebody down the field. And you're going, oh, wait a minute, he could actually throw that ball. And we don't know what's going to happen back there. So you become a little hesitant. Um, but I think they've done a good job of being able to move guys around. I mean, because especially when they had the injury that goes with uh, uh, the guy they brought in that used to be at the Jets, right? Before that, and before that, he was with the Raiders. Oh, yeah, Osimile, right. Osimile, he had the shoulder, and, mm -hmm. and then he had both knees and everything else. So uh, they've done a good job of being able to at least shuffle guys in and still be able to get things done. Uh, um, but I think it also helps that, you know, they do have quite a few weapons to keep playing, you know, hey, have keep the keeps guys looking at my left hand while my right hand's throwing the ball, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think that's what they're doing a good job of. And I think they're also switching up a little bit now, having some guys chip here and there to help out when they have to. Well, what do you, what do you think about um, this offense and what Eric Bieniemy has done? I mean, do you have anything to compare it to in through the, uh, you know, we obviously knew what we were doing and most fans knew what the West Coast offense was. You know, it was short, intermediate. You know, Joe was not going to be running around the pocket, you know, like crazy. Like, you know, I saw, how about last week, Patrick Mahomes goes in motion. Like that was <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen to see a quarterback in motion, get the snap and then go the, the other direction, right? I mean, that's just amazing. Do, do you have any reference points from from after you know the Montana era to to draw to what this team is like on a team that you played on? Any, yeah, any? We, we had the two thousand three team, two thousand two, two thousand three, where um, 
Vermil came in mm-hmm. and they went to the uh, Air Air Coriel offense. And instead of all the all the motions and everything else that was put in place, we call them jumps. So it would be, you know, jump the eye ride or jump the jack this or jump to that. So we'd start or they'd say scramble and we'd start in one one formation and they would move to another. Now they've added a whole nother element with this team. They they'll jump from one position to another and then they'll move a guy in motion and then he'll come back around the other way. And they've added those little nuances to the game to be able to see what the defense is doing, see who's rushing, see who's not, see who's in coverage, which is very beneficial. But also, they've got so many weapons that you're going, okay, is he going to pitch it to the guy going in motion and coming back around? Or is it the other guy going the other way? So now they're having the heyday of like, how many different motions can you make up and run some of the same plays out of? And how many different guys can you do it with? to make it seem like, oh, well, it's going to a different guy. No, let's just pitch it to, you know, this guy, or let's run it to that guy. And, and every week they sort of counted out of like, oh, I see a mishmash between this guy and that guy. We're going to pick on them for a while and see what they can do. And so I think that's what's really cool about this offense is that they can pick a different guy every week mm-hmm. and showcase their talent and, and win the game. So true. What, what do you think of um, their – Big moves this offseason, both in the draft and then obviously picking picking up Le'Veon Bell. What do you see as that added dimension? Is that something that you are thankful as a former lineman, for, you know, that the linemen are thankful that that all happened? Because I, Jeff and I were a little worried during the offseason that we were going to go into this season one-dimensional, right? It was, it was speed kills, you know, the Legion of Zoom. What are we going to do in the running game to – to give more options or are you seeing that that they've really benefited from that and, and as, a, as a lineman how does that make you feel that, that they're making that investment in the run game too I think they're trying to grow into the run game here and there even though I, I know that you know coach Reed loves to live and die by that pass he loves watching that ball fly over the field <laughs> uh, but when he did the draft in the first place it was really unique because I actually got to go to the draft and I watched the guys and watch them run mm and the other pieces and once I saw the 40s and saw the other things I was like wow it's like they go and pick this kid it's going to be amazing whoever they take as a running back will excel in this offense just because of the other weapons but as offensive line um, you know you always want that game where they'll go we're going to run the ball and we're going to put it on your hat we're going to make it happen and that's what they did at the first game you know they had two games right now that they've sort of said we're going to run the ball we're going to force it to, to, to make things happen and then i think they added Le'Veon bell as sort of that security break it on the on the other end of having that veteran guy that could be there that hey you know when times are tough and when you do different things but also the young the young man needs a break every once in a while he needs a change up and they're both change up because he's real quick hit gaps that kind of stuff where bell is sort of slow methodical kind of things so i think it's good for that one-two punch as they go and I know Williams is still there um, but you know he's he's sort of that in between the two so they've always run with three backs even last year they ran with three backs they've mm-hmm. always had a veteran guy in the locker room in that backfield to be able to help out when they needed it. Wow so you, you mentioned um, well you mentioned off air and you just talked about how you got to see the draft prospects and all that and you're talking to us off air how you know Dustin Colquitt uh, was a teammate of yours, and so when he was released, that was kind of the last current chief that you were a teammate with. That said, do you still have connections? Do you are you friendly with any of the current uh, players, or in contact with any of them, or the coaches? I'm in contact back and forth. You know, I actually work for the league office too, so I actually work for the Legends community. So I contact some of the young guys here and there. I, you know, we have that uh, 
the rookie club and we have the uh, graduation for the rookie clubs. And I was part of it last year, uh, which was really cool to sit, sit and ask, you know, sit and talk to them about what they're doing and what they feel about certain things. Um, and what, you know, it's like, oh yeah, well last game we did this, this, and this, and this is why that was happening. So you get a little insight of, you know, okay, what their mindset is of what they're running and why they're running certain things. But then they get to ask you those other questions of, so when you were playing, did this ever happen? Those kind of things. So I keep in close contact with actually both groups, the guys that have already retired, but also with some of the current guys that are playing on the team, that kind of stuff, especially when we get a chance to get together for those, you know, meet and greet kind of situations. That's awesome. That, that's really cool. We, you know, when you and I were playing together in that, in that 93 season and, that, like I mentioned, that was sort of the generation shift from the guys who were first collective bargaining agreement back in the in the late '80s, right? They were, they were still. I mean, there were still some guys back, like at least when I started in '91. There were some guys where you know working the in the off season wasn't out of the question, you know, working working in, in other jobs or doing something to to earn other income because you know. That was when the transition was happening where, you know, football became someone's full-time profession, right? Even you look back, some of those guys in the 70s and early 80s that sold cars in the offseason or something, teachers yeah. do different things. You, you saw that shift. Like, what was different about that era of old school, you know, first collective bargaining agreement, and then you go into the 2000s and into the early 2000s. I mean, tell us about that shift that you saw happen, because you, like I said, you split that difference really well, and, and you split it right down the middle. So think of when I was coming out as a, you know, as a 93, mm -hmm. 92, 93 draft pick, uh, there was only two places in the country that you could go and train that actually they would send guys to to train. And usually it was only the first or second rounders that actually were sent off the train. Besides that, the rest of us would train at our schools. And that's what we would do because that's what you knew. Now, as you go through it every year through collective bargaining and everything else, it becomes more of a full-time job to where they've actually, hey, we've got revenue enough to be able to afford guys to stay around during the off season and the train and the workout. I remember we used to have that workout bonus of like, okay, we got 15 weeks of training. You got to make 13 of the 15 or 12 and a half of the 15 to get your bonus. And so those are the ways that they kept us around. If they felt that you were a guy that could actually benefit from it as the team went on beyond that, they were like, Oh yeah, go do whatever you want to do. Then you show up and you play and we're hope you're in shape. And so now it's become a full-time job to where you take about two to three weeks off, maybe four weeks, and then you're back in the lab again. You're working out. You're, you know, hopefully they are. There are some guys that are. There's some guys we know that are those freaks of nature that they can just show up and play because they're just that good and right. they're just that talented. Um, but that's where the collective bargaining agreement has sort of changed the shift of this is a real business of our guys during the offseason. We want to know where they are. We want to keep them engaged. But it's still the same it's the same feeling that you should have, even the guys in the 70s and 80s. You've got to prepare for the future. You've got to know what the future holds. And I know some guys go with the other premise of if you're playing, you've got to focus on playing, and that's only that's the only thing you do. That's all you got. I was like, but you've got to realize the average is still three and a half years. It hasn't went up to five, six, or seven years. So there is a transition that's going to happen. You just don't know if it's going to be sooner or later. So you still got to have that mindset of what will I do next and what will happen. And I said, even for guys like me and you that are retired and been out for a long time, I still tell them, 
we're still transitioning every day because yeah. once you've played at that high level and you've been a part of that group, it's hard to replace every piece mm -hmm. of it. It really so is. So there's always going to be something that that's going to transition out, but you got to get that mindset to go, that's not all I'm going to be. It's part of me, but I still got to keep transitioning and get better and better and better. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. My dad gave me some of the best advice you know, when I left the game and, and, and it had enough of me. And, and, you know, he said, look, son, 70,000 people aren't going to scream when you make an insurance sale. And, you know, as I went, as I transi transitioned into the insurance industry and, you know, he kept me focused on now, you know, I got to bring value in the next phase of my life because I'm not going to be able to just say, walk into a room and say, oh, well, I played for the Chiefs and yada, yada, yada. And it just, he's like, it's going to, it's going to matter. And it's going to be cool. And you got discipline and everything that comes along with playing a high athletic. But at the end of the day, like you said, I still, even to this day, I've been, you know, out since 1996, I still have to, like you said, transition each and every day. And it's, 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 it's very comforting to hear someone like you say that who had a hall of fame career, you know, you know, 14 years, I think, 15, 15 yeah, 14, 14 years. Yeah, that's not 14 and, <laughs> and, and, and to And to get that amount of time, but to also hear you say that, that is that really means something. And I can see why you're probably making, and I know, not probably, but I know that you're making a huge impact with the next generation of players by giving them giving them that advice and, and sharing that kind of experience with them. They're, they're very lucky to have you involved. Uh, in well, and I understand, and I understand where a lot of people go and say that, oh, well, he just got to focus on the sport, the game, whatever. And I go, you don't realize that's, you know, they already map that day out for you. They map out everything else for mm -hmm. you. So what are you going to do when they stop mapping it out? And that's the hard part. You know, mm -hmm. what are you going to do when, oh, they're not calling you and telling you have to be at this meeting at this time, or you have to lift weights at that time, and you have to do all these other things you got to control your own schedule and your own destiny. And that's the hard part because you're used to being so managed. Yeah. And so that's that growing pain. Okay. Okay. Today I want to do, and everybody says, Oh, you should take some time off and you should do this and do that. And you're like, yeah, you should, but you should also be learning why you have that time off. You should be growing while you have that time off. And it's great that you had a dad that was there to help you transition out. But some of these young guys need that same voice in their head yeah. to let them know that, you know, this is a career. It's, you know, we used to have Jimmy Ray that used to sit there all the time and tell those stories yeah. of, you know, hey, not everybody can make this a career. And so you have to have a goal or goal in mind afterwards because the majority of your life is still, still for you after yeah. you're done playing, which is a hard thing to think about. Yeah, it's crazy. You played 14 years, which is, you know, four times the average, right? And unbelievable 14-year Hall of Fame career. And when you retired, what were you, 35, 36? 30, 35, 35. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, my God, you know, look, at, I still have more than half of my life to live, and I'm, I'm just yeah. starting. So it's, that's really refreshing to hear you say that, Will. Well, we went uh, talking about the end of the career, Joe. I'm curious about the beginning of Will's career. I mean, he was a starter from day one. You were already on the team. At what point did you realize, was there a play just either from scrimmage uh, from practice or from a game when you realize, man, this, this guy is special. When did you first realize that? About oh, the, the day that we, the day that Will joined the team, I mean, the day they drafted him and, and our first mini camp, you know, Will was overpowering some of our toughest and strongest and biggest defensive linemen, the Joe Phillips of the world, Dan Salamua's. Wow. He was overpowering them 
and and he was dominating them in in some from a physical perspective. Mm. So okay, yeah, he played at Nebraska. You know, of course, he's used to playing against Big Ten competition, the whole nine yards, and or Big Twelve competition. And then all of a sudden, you see Will go out in space, and he's floating like a butterfly. I'll use the Muhammad Ali term. He's floating <laughs> like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. And you're like, wow, this guy is the real deal like i mean that the, the the will's ability to balance his power with his finesse we all that first mini camp said this guy is going to be a star i mean this is this is it the chiefs that's made cool. the right pick and they got the right guy on, on this squad that's coming into this line because he he set himself apart literally that day one he was joking about my athletic ability it, you know he he will had it all and we knew it from day one he had every tool that, that was going to make him a successful offensive lineman. The punch, the power, the speed, the feet, the, the mentality, uh, you know, and, 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 and more, I've said this more times about Will, and, and you know, his ears must, must ring a lot when, I, when they, people ask me about players that I played with. Will Shields, Hall of Fame player, right, doesn't really, in the NFL, it doesn't really get any better than that. Maybe Will probably wishes he had, you know, the Super Bowl ring and was able to hit, hoist the trophy. Everybody always wishes they could do that, but right, it doesn't really get any better than having a Hall of Fame career. Will is a ten times better human being than he was a football player, and that that to me is when 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 Will's ears must ring when I talk about people that I played with, because I am not exaggerating. He was ten times a better person than he was a football player, and you're talking about a Hall of Famer. So that's what I respected most about Will his dedication right. to his family, the community, the support that he gave to his teammates, like that to me was what set Will Shields apart and why he is a real Hall of Famer. Forget about football stuff and the blocks and the pancake blocks and, you know, all that stuff. Will Shields is a Hall of Fame human being. And that, and that to me was really the reason I feel blessed to privileged to have played with him. I appreciate cool. that. I sort of laugh because I was thinking about the first mini camp I was at. I felt like a fish out of water trying to figure <laughs> out what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. Um, Alex sent home. He sent me home with a video uh, because he was like, oh, my God. Because he had called me before and said, well, I don't know why they drafted you in the first place because I didn't want you. I don't know what the heck <laughs> they were doing. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes me feel yeah, good, thanks, coach. coach. I appreciate it. And, you know, but that's Alex, you know. And so yeah. he sent home video. It's like, yeah, you need to watch film. You need to do this. You need to do that so you can figure out what you need to do. Um, and so, really, I didn't even think I was going to touch the field until about the second or third camp. We actually started to it started to click a little better, start feeling more comfortable that kind of stuff and then he was like oh yeah you might get some game time here and there you know spare Danny Villa Danny was Villa. there Danny Villa. Yeah. yeah Danny Villa hey you know you want to spare him here and there maybe by weeks you know five or six you might get in and get some reps you might get this you might get that and then um Zach got hurt and so he got hurt on the third snap of the first game and then I got a chance to play and you know, fortunately, I made the best of it at that point. I was like, I'm going to scramble every day until I could try to keep it as long as I could. And, you know, it was one of those things, like I said, you're, I was in the right place at the right time and, you know, got lucky and fortunate and was, you know, ready, I guess, at that point to, mm -hmm. to sort of try to play as long as you could. So it was one of those interesting things that you're like, wow, you know, what if you would have went to this team or that team or, you know, right. what could have happened? But fell in place. Yeah. Alex Gibbs there. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, Joe, you were already the veteran. And, and when Will came in, was there any back in that day, did you guys haze or give any uh, a hard time to the new rookie lineman? How did that go? 
No, I mean, we, well, what happened was in, in my, my rookie year, we had a, a pretty bad incident at the rookie show. And, mm-hmm. and Will may or may not even know that it may have been a little bit of a distant memory by the time Will got there in 93. But in 91, we had a, 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 an incident where they, they canceled the rookie show um, because, of, uh, because of something that had happened. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so Marty pretty much went like anti-hazing. I mean, I'm not saying uh-huh. we ever really did anything like that. It wasn't anything like that dramatic, but he, we went all in on, all right, that's enough of that stuff. We're, you know, we're going all professional all the time here. So we, I, th- I have to say, well, I think we were pretty good with rookies. Oh, yeah. well, I, think well, the, I think the only thing was, is he started the breakfast club. Yeah. The breakfast and, club. Uh, breakfast. Yep. And the thing of it is, is it started off as pastries or what have you like rolls or donuts or whatever. Then it became, uh, Big breakfasts from McDonald's, and then it became, uh, oh, what's the name of the restaurant that was Nice? Not Nice. Was it Nice's? Yeah, it was Nice's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice's yeah. breakfasts, and so yeah. that was like smothered pork chop and everything else. <laughs> and so for two years, two years, I was the only rookie, so yeah. I had to bring food every Saturday for two years. So I'm <laughs> paying into the pot. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was. It, it, that's about it. I mean, you really didn't get any hazing at that point, especially you know not from the guys that were in the room. Um, you know, and I think that's one thing that was really cool. All anything you knew is that you don't speak, you don't say anything. You don't, you know, the, the, the center of the, of the team was the spokesperson and yeah. he would say everything and everybody else would just sit around and go, well, you need to go talk to Timmy because yeah. we're not allowed to talk. Well, we certainly, we certainly know John Alt wasn't talking. I mean, he was no. probably the quietest guy. We were roommates on the road for, I think, three years. And, and I think John and I maybe had like, two conversations you know here we were (laughs) sleeping in a room together for you know eight regular season games a playoff game here and there some preseason stuff and uh you know john and i maybe had like two or three conversations he was the man of very few words we were we we were a quiet bunch uh not when we were all together but you know for the most part i think we were uh you know we were we were the lunch pail guys i mean we were the ones with the hard hats on grabbed our lunch pail went to work um you know, Tim kind of, Timmy kind of set that tone for us, I think. Right. I mean, hard oh, yeah. work, get it done, show up in the weight room, support your teammates, find joy in their success. You know I mean? That's one yeah. thing I learned as an offensive lineman was, you know, really finding joy in other people's success. Um, yeah. You know, cause exactly. It, it, you got, you got your role to play and you're part of that, that team in that role. And, and you take, you know, when you start taking pride in your own role, it makes the big difference because it makes the team better. Mm-hmm. Q, you mentioned how Will was, um, and even as great as he was on the field, his off-the-field stuff is really amazing. So, Will, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your Will to Succeed Foundation. Yeah, well, the Will to Succeed started actually with, uh, you know, being around Joe and those guys, you know, during that 93 year, being around and seeing that there were 17 guys doing stuff in the community. And so I was like, the one thing that they did is that they had longevity. And so I was like, I want to be a part of that group. I want to be able to sort of create something that's similar to what they are and sort of build out on your legacy as best you can. So um, we ended up starting the Wilton Succeed Foundation. I call it the Umbrella Foundation because we work with about 40 or 50 groups here in Kansas City. 
Uh, we started with battered and abused women and children, and we've worked our way down to where we do reading programs and different things. And so right now we're working on a project. Actually, we, we just finished the Midwest Innocent Project here in Kansas City, uh, was the co-chair for it, which was awesome to be able to help those that have been falsely accused to get exonerated. We just had another guy get, get released last week. And um, then the next program will be uh, IC Stars, which is, you know, basically is a technology company of finding tech talent in communities uh, that, you know, and empowering social people with social and economic freedom, giving them social economic freedom from where they are to the next level. And so, and it's based out of, it's based out of Chicago, which is pretty cool to be able to bring a program in out of Chicago and start building something unique that's going to help the social economic gap start to shrink and get people, you know, where they want to be and where they should be, you know, as far as future life and, and being able to understand what life could be for them in the future. So cool. Well, before we wrap up here, well, we, we do this for all our guests. This is the fun part because Joe always tr will turn uh, his beet red. As, I turn as, Chiefs red. I'm going to turn as red as Will's Chiefs sweatshirt <laughs> he has on. As red as that mural behind. Uh, will has a great mural of him behind. <laughs> will, give us your favorite Joe Valerio story in the time we oh, have left here. Lord, here we go. Oh, wow. I don't know. There's so many Joe Valerio <laughs> stories. <laughs> <laughs> well i know no. i know, oh, go ahead Will. Go ahead. i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead no i just you know, I, you know i remember will will may not even know this but will used to host a, a celebrity waiters night for the foundation and and i don't even know if i ever even told this to will i was so embarrassed but <laughs> i spilled an entire iced tea on a family and i like i as i was going to the table and i dropped it and it went all over everybody i felt so bad i <laughs> i got their addresses i got their cell phone numbers I, so i always remember will's celebrators night and i still have the, <laughs> i still have the t-shirts and and i'll never forget that night when i spilled that 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 iced tea all, all over everybody a whole tray of iced tea i was so embarrassed and uh you know when, when i think about will's <laughs> celebrity waiter nights i think about clumsy joe and you know here oh. i am uh, but now Will was great to to be. A, he was a great teammate, and uh, we we, we did. Going to embarrass you because most of our stuff was on the field. We you know we did a lot of stuff on the field and that kind of thing. Um, but I I did get I get I think it was more or less the pride of being able to watch him score touchdowns was always fun. <laughs> different ways and different things. Uh, but I think the funniest thing was watching him run backwards to usher Bono into the end zone. I was like, okay, he's a lineman, and this is <laughs> our quarterback hustling down the field and Joe first of all he runs sideways then he runs backwards then he flips around and re and catches him again and I'm going you know is Joe really that fast or is just Bono that slow? Steve, was, <laughs> Steve was that slow Will Steve was that slow he was yelling at me as I was running he's like you slow down Valerio I can't let you beat me so he was screaming at me to slow down that's why I slowed down at that moment he was like you're embarrassing me basically is what he it, said it, it's oh. funny too that run has gotten a lot of attention of late uh the athletic wrote a story about it and then when daniel jones on a thursday night game was running against the eagles he had that like 80 yard run and social media was blowing up that like daniel jones tripped and they're like you know but bono led by valerio he wouldn't have, he did not trip <laughs> against the cardinals so that got a lot of attention oh, I, yeah oh uh, that no, was uh, a fun that was a funny run watching him just fall out i'm like dude what are you doing <laughs> just like everything just exploded at once <laughs> exactly will exactly uh this has been great will how's your family everybody doing well are you guys uh everybody's you doing good 
you settled in Kansas City and, you know, you made that your home, which is, I think, a testament to the Hunt family, the Chiefs organization, the city itself, and, uh, you know, super proud of you and and that you settled there and, and made that your home. So obviously it must mean a lot to you. Oh, it does. I mean, it's great. It was a great place to raise your family. And, you know, we like it here in the Midwest, you know, that comfort Mm -hmm. zone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've been a Midwest kid my whole life, so it just makes it easier too. Um, But yeah, love every minute of it. And the city is strong and they, you know, they they treat you with respect. And anytime you you call, you ring the bell to have somebody come out and help and do something, you can always have people to call on, which is that also important piece. Um, but yeah, everybody's good. The family's good. My son's overseas playing basketball. My wow. daughter decided she's going to become a, a medical student. So she is third year med student. And my youngest is a senior in college and about to finish up here in December. So, hey, everybody's moving forward. So that, that's a good wow, thing. That's fantastic. Well, great to hear. Well, they had, you know, great family, uh, the Shields family and terrific support from, from all of you. So that's, that's fantastic to hear them doing so well. And and hanging in there through all these crazy times, right? Very tumultuous. Thanks, I appreciate it. And I did, I do follow you on Facebook, so I see you guys do all the other stuff. And I did think I saw you do a TikTok thing. I did. I did. My daughter's. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to bring that up as being the embarrassment, but it was nice. You did well. It thank you. Thank you. I was like, he got the whole family in it. That was awesome. It was better than any touchdown t- touchdown dance I could ever do. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've improved my dancing skills over the years. I'll never forget when I scored that first touchdown and tried that sad cabbage patch that I did. And, you know, I came home and Jen, we were driving home from the stadium and she said, listen, you know, like, like all football legends say, when you get in the end zone, act like you've been there before, Joe. <laughs> I took That's her advice powerful. from there on out. Well, before we – sign off here give listeners uh if they're interested in the will to succeed foundation where's the best place uh to find more information about that actually it's the will to succeed foundation.org if you just go to that website and we actually have a page you can sign up and basically uh we're doing new volunteers for different programs that we have going on so just go to the website and we will take care of you that's so great well listen thanks so much for uh joining us here on believe in cheese And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.